welcome to the Dental Deep Dive, where we dive into industry trends and best practices for optimizing your dental organization while providing the best possible experience and care for patients. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to our show. In this episode of the Dental Deep Dive, we're joined by Jamie Westfall. Jamie has over 10 years of experience as a certified trainer. She spent a lot of her career helping organizations adopt software and improve operational efficiency. Early in her career, she started as a dental assistant and then spent a stint in the U.S. Air Force. She eventually came back to dentistry where she's able to combine her knowledge and love of technology to really help organizations drive more efficient workflows in their practices. In this episode, we're going to focus on some of the challenges that we see in helping practices onboard new staff. We know that a lot of practices have been struggling with onboarding recently and wanted to do a deep dive into onboarding, some best practices that you can follow, and opportunities for you to improve your practices. Let's dive in. Welcome, Jamie. I'm so glad that you could join us here on the Dental Deep Dive. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So as we were talking a little bit earlier, we were talking about how we wanted to really get into the details around things that we can do to help practices, particularly managing their staff and and things they should be thinking about. And so one of the questions that often comes to mind is, you know, what is it, you know, what are some of those areas that are most overlooked when it comes to onboarding and and just getting new employees, uh, you know, onboarded onto staff? Sure. Yeah, that's a really good question. And, you know, I promised I wouldn't take over your questions today, but <laughs> I'm going to start off by just sidetracking just a little bit. Um, before we go into what organizations sometimes overlook, you know, I'd really like to first define what we're referring to as onboarding. I've seen that term used for a variety of reasons. And, you know, I think we should quickly just provide an overview of of how I'm using it today. So first off, you know, I strongly believe that onboarding is so much more than just training someone to do a job. Um, You really should be introducing them to the culture of your practice or your organization. I know that's something that Henry Schein does a really good job of. And because of that, it's something that keeps the employees long-term. Um, So, you know, onboarding also should be very detailed, defined, well-planned. And and the idea is just to make sure that the employees that you're onboarding are comfortable and, you know, they're comfortable enough to work within their own confidence and they understand the task at hand. So back on track, you know, to answer your original question, the top overlooked areas I find for onboarding especially in the dental field, are organizational basics, um, things like providing a solid foundation for their success, human resource tasks, but specifically providing the path for their growth and team introductions or just welcoming them into the organization. So, you know, when you're looking at those three areas, you know, kind of that structure of, you know, bringing them on, helping them understand that it's more than just an entry-level job and there's a place to go and grow. I mean, is this, are these areas that, you know, that you've seen practices use that are more effective than others? Like, what do they do specifically? Like, you know, when you say organizational behavior, you know, basics, what what does that really mean? What, What do people do? 
I'm glad you picked that one out first. So uh, the training team, one of the first questions that we ask an organization when doing a workflow analysis is we ask for them to provide us their VMGO. What's your vision, mission, goals, and objectives for your organization? And we like to keep that top of mind when aligning the software use to the organization. Uh, the, the organizations that have that top of mind, they know it, they live it, and they breathe it. We see a huge difference across all teams. Um, that really has a huge impact on their outcomes across the entire organization. There's others that don't have that clearly defined or say, let me look that up. It's in a, it's in a manual somewhere. I can give that to you. Um, those are the sites where we see some of the same struggles trickling throughout their teams. And so we've found sites that have that clearly defined VMGO or vision, mission, goals, and objectives truly excel over the other organizations. Yeah, and I think one thing that's that's very interesting from a you know, sometimes we have to take a step back and, and you know, culture in a lot of ways really dictates how well organizations can execute because they think of it as an alignment strategy. And, you know, if you go back to, you know, business basics and you're thinking about like the McKinsey, you know, alignment model and, and you're trying to align on, the, on those seven uh, paradigms, I mean, trying to align without a goal or without a vision of where you're trying to take the whole organization, it, it's almost impossible. And so I think that I think that's really interesting you brought that up. So what other, you know, what other things do they do in that onboarding process? Because there's one thing to to say that this is the way it is. So how do they communicate that? How do they show the employee, hey, this is this is what that might look like? You know, in the simplest form, I think they should clearly define what the short and long-term goals are for that new employee and really provide as much support as they can to get them there. So does that support really look like like mentoring? Is it manuals? Is it like what how do they execute on that? That's a great question. I think there's a there's a lot more to touch on than than sites anticipate or plan for. So, you know, we did touch on organizational basics, some of the human resources, some of the team introductions, but you know, some of the other areas I think they really should focus on is more of that intro to the teams, really define for them the roles and responsibilities for that, for that specific job that they're hired for. And then make sure that they understand how that role will support the organization's goals. Again, making sure that that's a clear and defined goal for the whole organization really helps them feel that value of the role that they're stepping into. And, and I'm supporting that, that bigger uh, goal. Uh, make sure they have face-to-face -face time with their new team um, or, you know, in our current state, video-to-video -video time with their new teams. Um, that human connection, I believe, is critical to success. I've seen sites where they have, you know, site managers who aren't even familiar with the other site managers across the organization. It's a wealth of knowledge and a huge community of other team members in a like role that they aren't connected with. Um, but also similar to that, face-to-face -face time with the cross-functional departments and make sure that they understand and have that well-rounded perspective of what the other teams are doing and how their role is supporting that or how those other teams are supporting them. There's role-specific 
training. So this, the other items were more specific to the organization, but they really need um, items specific to their role and, and what's required to create a valued contributor to the overall team. So, you know, they need the knowledge, uh, everything needed for accomplishing that job. They need the skills, and, and that's really how to succeed in their role. Their behaviors, what actions and decisions, you know, that put the new skills and knowledge into practice. Products and services, that's one that I feel like, again, it is a really key part of onboarding. Do they understand the services that they're providing uh, within the organization to patients? Do they understand the value and the purpose uh, that it would provide to a patient? And is that being clearly communicated? They really need to know what they're offering and why and what the value is to that patient. Or if they're selling products, why did the organization select this specific product to sell? Um, And that's really key in, in that role being successful in whatever piece of the practice they're working in. And then operations, really how and why do we do what we do so well within this organization? Make sure that they understand that. Because again, the deeper they understand it, the more that they can start to fit into that uh, part of the organization. So do they understand the full processes, um, you know, the different systems training? And, you know, I'm sure you're probably shocked that this is so low on my list, right, of all of the key items because of my background in software training. But, you know, I do put some of those other areas as a higher priority of making sure that it's covered for onboarding. And then, you know, another piece that I think is crucial is really just industry introduction. Whether they're new to dentistry or new only to that organization, do they know different partners that they work with? Um, do they know the, the specific competitive procedure that they offer or pricing that they offer? What makes them stand out and why is it competitive within the market? Um, I think those are key items that should be part of every onboarding checklist. You know, it's interesting that when when we talk about this, a lot of times, you know, this is this is kind of near and dear to my heart as a previous marketer. You know, I, we we talk about the idea of differentiation and and being different, and I think sometimes people overlook the fact that that applies to services and industries and all these and everything in between. You know, it's it's really nice, and it, and from a employee standpoint. It's really amazing when you can say, why are you better than other places? And why do you love your dentist so much? And you can rattle those off in, you know, in 20 seconds. That really starts to show people that that's the place to go, right? That's the place where people want to be um, because it's, you've got that continuity of, of message. Um, you know, it's interesting you highlighted, you know, software training at the very end. And, you know, both of us were introduced together because of software. But, but I agree. I mean, there's this people process and technology marriage that needs to happen. And, and sometimes, you know, we overlook in that onboarding process. I mean, certainly they need to know how to click the buttons, but they also need to know why they're there. And, and I think these are, those are some really valuable insights, I think, that you shared and, and appreciate that. Yeah, and, and one more thing on that as well, you know, the, the systems training is never going to be as successful as it can be 
if they don't focus on the people side of, of change management, right? And they're really going through some of that ADCAR process for change management and making sure the team is aware. How is the way that we're learning to use this software um, something that I need to know? And do they have the desire to do it? Well, if they've already bought in and understand the organization's vision and mission, uh, then it makes sense. And, and it's easier for them to be on board and make the changes necessary for success. Um, but if, if the trainer only is giving them the information and they haven't thought about that change management or have the bigger picture of the organization, they won't be as successful. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. A lot of people, they might hear this conversation and think, wow, this is like touchy-feely, you know? It's like, hey, you want to make sure that they feel good and that they're part of the team and they're introduced. But, you know, in your experience, what happens when they do it right? What do you see? Is I mean, tell me about the outcomes because, you know, we don't want to say, hey, you should do this because it makes people feel good. But I'm guessing behind this, there's some actual very real outcomes that are helping practices run even better. No, it's it's very true. There, there are a lot of tedious tasks uh, involved, whether it's in software or, or other day-to-day tasks for monitors uh, and those types of items that team members, they're it's not their favorite thing to do. It's not their favorite part of the job. But once they can clearly see how that ties into the overall vision of the organization or the success of their individual role, uh, they really they really overlook how tedious a task might be or maybe that we've added two steps in, in a certain process for uh, calling a patient, let's say they understand the benefit the patient's getting, the organization's getting, and they buy in and and adapt much quicker. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you think that, is this a universal thing, or is it more important if you're small or more important if you're big? Because, you know, as you know, I, you know, in my experience, I talk to a lot of practices, and, and they vary in size and they vary in maturity, on their internal processes. You know, from a execution standpoint and and being effective, you know, is this harder or more effective for small versus large? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I don't I don't think that there is a, a specific size or limit to who should really have this comprehensive type of onboarding. Um, because truly it goes back to that vision and and all all businesses have some sort of vision, whether it's communicated or not, right? All business owners have some sort of vision for their organization. And and if they want to get there, people have to know what it is. They have to communicate it and really make sure they understand it. And it's tied to every day-to-day process. So I I don't believe that it would make a difference if there were five team members or 500. Um, Everyone communicating, knowing, living and breathing um, really what the organization's goals and vision and their current mission is, is, is so important. So with these things in mind, you know, we, we've talked about outcomes. We've talked about some of the early signs of success. I mean, you know, how do you, how do you recognize when a practice is doing onboarding right? Um, you know, I think there's, there's a couple of different ways that they could look at it. Um, and one is turnover rate. Um, I found this interesting statistic um, on Dentistry IQ, actually, uh, that they were saying that 
Companies that use a structured onboarding plan experience 50% greater new hire retention. That's incredible to me, you know, and and they also said that 20% of employee turnover occurs during the first 45 days of employment. That's huge. Um, So I think really starting to track, if you aren't already tracking your turnover rate, you should. And, And if you already are, I think it's great to compare it to any changes that you make to your onboarding process and see what that does to that turnover rate see what changes that you have there. Um, Also, the contrast to performance and contributions for onboarded or, um, you know, I like to say (laughs) non-boarded employees. Um, So I I think it's huge. And you really can see a difference. Offices that I've seen that have tracked those differences and compared the difference between their new structured onboarding plan versus prior, maybe just having a on-the-job training with some system training, Um, they really saw a huge difference in their long-term outcomes. Um, But benchmarking, uh, I know a lot of people don't like to have uh, benchmark tracking or doing any type of monitors, but I really think, you know, what gets measured gets done and really benchmarking those productivity milestones um, specific to those, to each role that you're onboarding. And then another one that I, I don't see happen as often Uh, But I really like to see is when they do assessments and really ask those new hires firsthand in different increments what they thought of their onboarding. How did they feel at 30 days the onboarding process was going? Again, 60 days, 90 days, maybe one year out. Uh, I think that's important as well because we might think we're doing a great job and the new hires might feel lost and we might need to adapt and adjust. Mm -hmm. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, you, you see those kinds of statistics in other onboarding scenarios, right? Onboarding of new customers or onboarding of new clients or, you know, depending on your industry or service. And I, and I think that in a, in a very interesting way, you know, pulling on those intervals tends to open your mind to gaps of things that you should have solved, you know, day one instead of figuring out you should, you know, you're finding that out at day 60, right? And I think that that really helps solve a lot of rework problems or misunderstandings. And and I think bringing that insight forward is such a critical part of this process. Agreed. So, you know, one of the things that I know that practices have asked me before are, you know, really they, they center around the challenges, you know, around you know, onboarding. So if you were to break those down, you know, what are the three or four areas where you find that practices struggle the most with onboarding new staff? Sure. Honestly, I think not having all of the previously mentioned areas clearly defined and communicated already within the organization. So not just for new employees, but really having that uh, process embedded already within the organization. It's really hard to start with new employees if the current team doesn't already embody your your vision and mission for the practice. And and we're trying to teach that through onboarding. Um, So, you know, you said three, that's more like nine or 10. (laughs) So the three that I would say that, that offices struggle with would be truly those, those organizational basics and, you know, that, that solid foundation of what the organization is about um, and, and then getting further down to where we were talking about 
um, the products and services and really what do we offer? How does that set us apart? And also that industry introduction. I see a lot of, of um, lack of, of providing that type of in, in information to new hires uh, and really giving them that context that's needed to be successful in that role. And, you know, one of the things that I think is really interesting, and I'm glad that you have such a depth of experience, so I'm going to ask you something. And even though we've not talked about it at all, I think it's really relevant. Do you see differences in this process across, like, maybe a health center or uh, more like an institutional dentistry? Or do you, like, private practice or any of those different areas? I mean, for me... Health centers have, in in a lot of scenarios, have very strong visions of what they're trying to do for patients, and their goals are, might be very different. And and I could see how you could understand a role in one organization and move to another and take on a different persona almost because your goals of what you're trying to achieve with patients are are different. You know, I wouldn't say that there's a huge difference across the board. Um, and honestly, one of the one of the organizations I worked with that I feel like really opened my eyes to the difference in outcomes based on their onboarding was one of our largest customers that that we work with personally. And I was surprised um, because traditionally I saw that uh, that type of communication and sense of of really being a part of a larger piece of the picture was the smaller groups, but I've really seen some of the larger organizations step up this onboarding game and really make sure that they're providing that full rounded onboarding uh, experience. But with, you know, across the board, it isn't really one type of industry I've seen it or even customer type that we work with. Mm, That's very interesting. And, and it, well, I guess has you know, been, in my experience, what I've seen is that there's upfront work, right? This type of a system, this type of a process, it doesn't just fall out of the air. I mean, you need to have something, some type of structure. Do you have recommendations on, you know, things that they should be doing to, to kind of reinforce their structure? You know, I really think starting with that VMGO process, is, is it clearly defined? And is it something that each current team member ties to their daily role, their day-to-day tasks? If not, I, I feel like before you start structuring out your onboarding process, you should start there. Um, because like I said, you know, trying to launch a, an onboarding program that's really centered around how their role supports the entire organization and, and their vision and goals, it, it's hard to do. So I would say starting there would, would be the place that they all should start. Um, I guess maybe one other thing that occurs to me, you know, kind of while we're thinking on this thread is, you know, what's one of the big takeaways around onboarding that practices could implement like today? Like I sometimes we we think about like VMGOs can be a little bit ethereal, right? Um, mm-hmm. So from a tactic standpoint, what, what could they do? What could they walk away from this podcast to do and tomorrow they didn't have something and and you know what could they do that would really help them and i know it's probably going to be shocking to you coming for me because i really dislike having structured uh documentation and things when when we're talking but i think a checklist 
an onboarding checklist is key and it's crucial. And really to have that checklist be useful and, and help the new employee adapt to their new role, it is putting it into different categories from the different tasks for their you know, separate sub list. So I know we talked about a whole bunch of different categories and, and why I think it's important to break that out. It really helps whoever is onboarding this new team member focus on what they need in the moment. So are we focusing on role-specific items, organizational orientation, cultural onboarding? Um, because you can't teach all of that at one time in one week, right? So really have those separate sublists and, and really decide who's the best person to onboard a team member for the different areas. Yeah, that makes sense. In your experience with onboarding, do you see a lot of cross-training? I do. I do, especially, uh, you know, in the dental industry, I do see a lot of cross-training where team members will learn both a clinical role and a business team member role, or some will learn location type roles, and then they'll also have a regional or uh, centralized part. So I do see a lot of cross-training where they're learning how to work maybe in revenue cycle management, but also location rev cycle. And that's something where they have to learn two different pieces of that puzzle. Yeah. It's pretty common. Well, and, and it's interesting that the reason I ask is because if I'm going through an onboarding checklist, you know, and I'm looking at a 30, 60, 90 day plan for my new employee, I would think that they become more valuable the better that they understand the business, right? And, and you know, we can call it the business of dentistry, you know, air quotes. We have a conference called that at Henry Shine. But right. it, it's kind of a, you know, kind of a funny idea. But, you know, from a from an organizational structure standpoint, you know, I, I look at there's a lot of opportunities. You know, you develop a lot of capabilities. And I, and I even look at uh, your background. You know, you, you and I, you know, talked before we jumped on the call here. And it, and it was really interesting that, you know, you could start off in a very different kind of a role and and then really find your niche somewhere else. And I think sometimes for practices, you know, helping people stick around for long periods of time really helps them to build some of those, you know, efficiencies uh, that you can't get from, you know, turning and burning people out, right? Agreed. And, and you know, another perspective from that as well when team members know the value of the role and how it fits into the bigger picture for the entire organization, they do feel that value um, that sometimes maybe isn't always communicated with each team member of why they're of value to the organization. But if we start off that onboarding with them understanding what value they're bringing to the overall team and all teams are aware of, of how they're supporting the other teams, um, there also isn't that desire to move on or or switch their role within the organization because they are bringing value. And I think that's important for all team members to understand. Mm-hmm. No, that's perfect. Um, you know, one of the things that I think has come up recently, and part of the reason why I think that this format is the most interesting for this is because, you know, one of the things that you know, we obviously we met before the podcast to have a little chat, but you know, one of the things that came up in in, a, in our previous discussion was this concept of, 
you know, really getting the right people at the right time. And we know that practices were really struggling for a little while at, at getting employees. You know, there was some there's some nervousness about getting employees back um, back in the in practices. And and you know, we could even go so far as to say, hey, certain types of employees are are have had a harder time coming back. Uh, considering you know what's going on with the uh, the pandemic, um, have you seen any evidence or, or any signs of of practices that did better because they had stronger culture? Absolutely, one hundred percent. Because again, like I was saying, there's a lot of times where where new team members they don't have that satisfaction or they don't feel the same satisfaction when they really don't understand the bigger picture of the organization. And I truly believe that the onboarding and the introduction to the culture of the organization and, and really those higher purposes of the organization um, increase that, that you know, job satisfaction and satisfaction within the role that they're onboarding for. And they turn them into long-term, very successful employees for the organization. That's perfect. Um, are there any other best practices or things you you think that the, our audience would could benefit from? I know that we rattled off a lot of things. It was a pretty long list. And so I know someone looking at this, especially someone who doesn't have a structured onboarding plan at the moment, thinks this is way too much, right? Based on our bandwidth of our teams and what you're asking us to achieve in this onboarding process, it's too much. And and really, if you look at it and from sites that I've worked with, even ones that don't have this structured plan, they're already doing 80% of this list, right? It, it's just haphazard and it isn't in a structured way, but they are getting the information that we discussed to the new team member in some capacity, whether it's as the question comes up, you know, when it comes up, they answer it and get it to them. They're getting it to them in some way. And, you know, so just overall, Pick the things out of what we discussed today that match your organization's capabilities, your time constraints, your culture. Make it natural and and really true to your organization and guarantee you'll benefit from added efforts focused on this comprehensive onboarding for new team members. Perfect. Well, Jamie, this was incredibly valuable. Thank you so much for coming on our show. It's, you know, a lot of times, you know, I get super excited about technology, but I think there's that opportunity to really hone in on other areas of practice uh, operations and really kind of talk about what's going on in the trenches and really appreciate your depth of industry knowledge and expertise that really could help us kind of crystallize some of these ideas and, and have a good discussion today. So thank you for being here. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us here on the Dental Deep Dive. Jamie did a phenomenal job at helping us understand best practices for onboarding new staff. There's some really great stuff that we covered in the material. If you need to, feel free to rewind, go back, pay attention, because I captured some notes of things that I think that I need to look at when I'm talking to practices, the things that I think we could do to help improve that overall flow. Again, thank you, Jamie, for being here. And join us again next time in our episode as we invite back Jessica Napiza. Jessica did an episode a few episodes ago where we were talking about patient financial readiness. And now we're going to do a little deeper dive into the clinical readiness for patients. We had a lot of questions about opportunities that people could 
uncover in that content. And so we were bringing her back to do a deep dive on some workflows and some best practices ideas to help you with your patient readiness. So join us next time and we'll catch you back here on the Dental Deep Dive. We'd like to issue a special thank you to Dentrix Enterprise, who's the sponsor of our show. And today, one of the things that really came out that was interesting was this idea of improving your SOPs and standard operating procedures for onboarding new staff. One of the things that really helps organizations improve efficiency is the combination of best practices and great technology. Dentrix Enterprise provides that great technology to help you onboard new staff. If you'd like to learn more about how Dentrix Enterprise can help your practice, reach out to them at dentrixenterprise.com forward slash dental deep dive.